Hello, footy fans, and welcome back to the Chip and Chase podcast. It is Monday morning, which means as of last night, we had the conclusion of the preseason challenge week two, and in a whole, the preseason challenge in general, with the Broncos being crowned the winners of that. So as per usual, as we did last week, and as we'll sort of continue to do throughout the seasons, we're going to do a wrap up of all games, and we're going to start at the Rabbitohs and Roosters. So as we all know by now, the, with the Rabbitohs and Roosters game, both of these teams had already taken their, their full squads to, to Vegas. So it was a clash between a lot of sort of reserve graders and younger fellas knocking about just to get a bit of game time and see how they all go and, you know, give them their first taste of sort of televised action in a way. Um, but, no, I thought it was a really good, really entertaining game to watch this one. There were a few, you know, rookie errors from, from both sides, but that's expected from a game featuring, you know, rookies and reserve graders. But what made it so fun is just the physicality of the game. Like, there were a lot of big hits in attack and defense, and players just looked to look, put on a show to impress their coaches, which is exactly what you want to see in the preseason. When you've got all these younger guys who maybe aren't going to get too much of a shot, this is your chance to impress and this is your chance to go out there and play hard and put your name up there. And, you know, it, as I said, you're on TV for a lot of people's first times. You, you get to see yourself. Your family gets to see you. It, it's exciting stuff. And I thought both teams came out and really played really hard. So I really enjoyed watching this one. Uh, the first standout in this one that sort of impressed me for the Bunnies was Matt Matt French, the the lock forward. It was, he's a very solid and sort of nuggety build on him. It makes him really hard to, to deal with. He shrugged off a lot of, like, really hard hits. There was a lot of contact that would fold a lot of other players, but because of his build, he just took it like a champion and just got up and like like it was nothing. One of those being the one that he did, uh, that he shrugged off just before scoring that, that first try to the game as well. So, yeah, it was really good performance to see from Matt French. I was pretty impressed with him. Um, he had a good little passing game to his game as well, which you want to see in lock forwards in the modern game. So he's, he's got all of the sort of the capabilities to be a really good footy player, Matt French. So hopefully we get to see him at some point in, in the future. Uh, for those of you who did watch this game, one name would have been pretty inescapable, and that was Corey Ross. He's the rangy second rower for the Roosters on their right-hand side in this one. And, God, he was he was out for blood with his hits. Anytime someone ran at him, he absolutely leveled them. And he also scored a, a nice little trial for a short kick near the, near the line as well. So he had a really good game. But the commentators, they were loving him in the, in the box. Just literally any time anybody sort of ran anywhere close to him, folded. It wasn't, there was, I don't think he came up with a, a light tackle or just a normal tackle to bring a player to ground the entire time. It was always a big hit. So that was really cool to see. Uh, another one who impressed me for the Roosters was Ross's second row partner, uh, Meli Nassau. Uh, he scored the opening try for the Roosters. He essentially just did it running backwards and fending players off, showing incredible balance, which was really impressive. But he just ran so hard, as all Fijians do. They do everything at 110%, and I admire it so much. But I thought he was really good in this one, Meli Nassau. Um, the commentators mentioned a, a good little story as well involving Roosters player Benaya Ielu. Oh, sorry, I've just had a stroke. Uh, Benaya Ielu, I believe. I've probably butchered that. Um, but, yeah, they were saying that the Roosters actually flew his parents out for this game um, because it also fell on his 20th birthday. So I thought that was a really great gesture and something like we always love to hear. So 
kudos to the Roosters for that. But no, he he repaid their faith in the, in them because he set up a really good try for the Roosters' locks, Lessie Fichetti, with a smart little dart from dummy half and an incredible pass while falling, which was really, really impressive. So shout out to you, Benaya, and shout out to the Roosters for, for doing what you're doing. That's really good stuff. Uh, speaking of Celesi Fichetti, wow, was he good. Uh, just from looking at him, you, you can you can tell he's just he's blessed with so much natural ability. I believe Random Stats Guy put out a post on Instagram not long after the game saying that he ran for the most metres by forward in preseason history, something like 220-plus metres. That's mental stuff. Of course, he also scored that try supporting, you know, Ielu. Ielu? Ielu. I apologise. But, yeah, he scored that try supporting him through the ruck. Um, But it was just everything else about his game that really impressed me. He just passed the eye test completely. His build, his footwork, just everything about his game. You can tell he's got everything to be... He possesses everything to be a really, really good footy player, really good forward. So he's a, he's definitely a player for the future, and I've heard that the Roosters are pretty darn keen on him. So it was really good to see him play so well. Uh, I thought both Roosters' halves had some pretty darn good moments. Kobe Thomas and Joseph uh, Wittakama Tamata Taipati. Uh, they're both pretty, you know, rough around the edges. Like, they still had a few sort of errors and, I guess, deficiencies in their game. But the way that they straightened the line and just straightened themselves in in the attack, I thought it was really impressive. And they just controlled the game really well with their passing, kicking game, just everything. Caleb, not Caleb, Kobe Thomas it was, sorry. He kicked one of the best 40-20s you'll ever see as well. Essentially, the commentators said it may as well have been a 20-20. It was that good. And the way the ball just bounced just before the line, oh, really impressive stuff from Kobe Thomas. Look, as I said, they do have a, you know, a few errors and they had a, a couple like lapses in judgment, you could say, but there are some really good signs there. They've got the the sort of makings to be really good halves. If they can just iron those things out of their game, then they're going to go a long way. Uh, another one that stood out was Roosters' young fullback, Kalen Gromick. I thought he was exceptional. He scored a double in this one, set up three more. He was just always in the right positions, and he had a really good support play, which is exactly what you want to see from your fullback. You know, to go along with that, his ball playing was incredible, as as noted from his try assists and line break assists. He was really, really fast off the mark as well. So, yeah, he has all those sort of qualities you want in a, in a fullback. So it was great to see him play so well in this one. I believe they said that he came up from the Wollongong competition, got player of the year in, in their in 2023 so yeah good to see them you know still scouting players who are a little bit older i think he's 22 23 and you see someone with that much talent and you still go out and give him a shot and he's already impressed them so really good showing from calum gromick uh unfortunately the the rabbitos didn't really you know fire a shot from about the 20 minute mark in this one so there weren't too many standouts from them unfortunately uh young gun leon tahal scored a, a really nice try I thought Brock Gray got through a lot of work in the middle and he looked, I thought he looked really good. He was just in everything, it seemed, Brock Gray. So that was cool. Um, But yeah, the Roosters, they sort of put on a clinic and it made it equally difficult to name standouts for them because so many players had really great games. But I did really enjoy this one. I really enjoyed seeing everybody get their runs. So, excuse me. Yeah, so yeah, it was just just a really good game and we'll, we'll move on. Two, of course, the Sharks and the Bulldogs. So from the opening tip, Pawasa Farmer Silly, again, he started really, really strong again. 
he does gas him out, gas himself out pretty quickly. He got because he could just go so hard. But I think that's fine if you use him in a couple twenty minute bursts, you know, just off the bench for a bit of impact. Um, I think he's a really good pickup for them. I said it last podcast. I'm saying it again now. He just seems as if he's working so hard to prove why he deserves his place in the side. And I think there's nothing better than a player who has his back against the wall. He's had his opportunities and he hasn't really grabbed them. And now it's all or nothing. He's got everything to prove. And I just want to see how he reacts to that. And from what I've seen so far, it looks the good. So he still has a few deficiencies in his game, to be fair. Like he did make a an early handling error, error which has sort of always, you know, been in his game. And he had a really poor defensive read um, in the lead up to that T. Wilton try, I believe it was. But I'm, yeah, I'm excited to see how he progresses with the Doggies this year. And I think, yeah, he could be provide a good little bit of impact for them in the middle off the bench. Uh, I honestly thought Jaden Braley was back out there for the Sharkies in, in this one. Blake's new hairstyle, he's hes put the clippers onto the hair and got rid of it, looking a lot more like his brother. Um, but, no, I thought he, he looked really good out there, Blake Braley. He picked his runs really well, and, of course, he set up that opening try to Teague Wilton with some really good deception from dummy half. So, yeah, it was a very smart and controlled performance from from Blake Braley. It's going to be interesting to see what the Sharkies sort of do this year in that hook position. Normally they've always sort of seen Braley as a 80-minute hooker and, you know, you run Cameron McInnes. So if he ever does get injured or needs a break, you've got Cameron to jump in there. But uh, they've still got uh, the, the fella from Queensland Cup. Oh, I'm struggling to think of his name. I've had mine mind blank. Either way, they've got the, the Queensland Cup Player of the Year um, in their hooking ranks. He's a bit older. Really good cover, but with the game just moving away from 80-minute hookers, it's interesting to see if the Sharks will try and maybe use a bit of a utility or a or a hooker cover on the bench, but I don't mind the idea of just using Blake as an 80-minute hooker and having Cameron McInnes sort of chip in if he ever needs to, really. But yeah, a really good game from Blake Braley. I thought Matt Burton's kicking game was unbelievable, to be honest. He had a really – he had an early dab over the top with, like, it just had perfect weight to it. Forced a line drop out, and it was about 30, 40 metres out they kicked that one. Just a nice lightweight over the top and held up in the end goal. It was really, really good. Um, and the, he followed that up with, you know, a belter of a kick, went about 70 metres on the fly, which we know Matt Burton can do. He's one of the best kickers in it in our league, at least, you know, for height and distance. He he just gets he, so much weight behind the ball. Um, and then he also showed a good little bit of vision uh, for a nice little grubber grubber kick in behind to find space for Adokar down the sideline, which, you know, almost could have been a try. But, you know, it didn't end up that way. But, you know, you can't do much more as a half. And I thought Matt Burton was really good in this one, especially with that kicking game. Just on Josh Josh Adokar, he has bulked up a lot. I noticed it in the All-Stars game. I believe I said a little bit about Josh Adokar there, about how he seemed to be looking for a bit more work and he was doing a lot of defensive work. And I think it looks really good. Yeah, he he's... A bit bigger, but even in that try that I said, or when Burton put in, sorry, not the try, when Burton put in that kick and Josh Adokar chased it down, it doesn't look like he's lost any or, you know, much at all of his speed. So for him to be still that fast, one of the absolute fastest in our competition and now being bigger and bulkier and looking for more work and being stronger in contact and in defense, it's really, really good. It could even present him as a bit of a super coach option this year, potentially. You know, if he's increasing his base stats and 
you know, he'll score tries off the back of his this improved Bulldogs team. We always know Josh Adokar's a, a bloody good try scorer. So, you know, maybe one to sort of look at in in Supercoach, maybe someone to even look at in draft and pick him up late and, you know, take a bit of a punt there. But, yeah, Josh Adokar looked really good in this one. In saying that, the, the Foxes' wing partner, Blake Wilson, I thought he was really impressive as well. I really like this bloke. I, I almost wish the Bulldogs didn't sign as many players as they did for their back line because I would have loved to see young players, they blooded themselves in Kiraz and Wilson, get to lockdown positions. He was really, really safe under the high ball and he took a lot of tough carries. So, yeah, I love seeing that from Wilson. He also didn't mention it last week, but the, the footwork he put on to score that try in, in the game against the Storm was two of us a Sheck-like. So, yeah. Excited to see Wilson. I hope he gets a, a bit more game time this year. Ah, oh, this Sharks forward pack, god damn. It's ridiculous. It's actually ridiculous. When you've got Oregon Kafusi, Royce Hunt, Braden Hamlin Owele, Toby Rudolph, and Tom Hazleton in the front row, that is one of the strongest middle rotations in the game. And then you throw in people like Dale Finucane, Cam McInnes, and Jack Williams, who will all play through the middle as well. It's it's almost unfair. What's even more ridiculous about it is the fact that their backs do a ton of work out of their own end as well. So you're constantly keeping these forwards fresh. It's I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a game this year where every single Sharks player in the starting 13 or even maybe the 17, 17 might be a bit of a stretch, but you know they've got that capability. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see every player in their 13 run for 100 plus meters in a game because they're that stacked across the board. And, you know, even their... Their halves are sort of running halves in Trindle and Hines. So, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if it happens. I'm not sure if it's ever happened in an row game before, but I'm going to keep an eye out. At, I'll keep an eye out for it this year, and I'll update you if it ever happens. But uh, Royce Hunt, he he sort of impressed me the most out of their forwards that I just mentioned. He looked phenomenal. He I think he notched just a bit under 200 meters for the game. So. Yeah, really good stuff from Royce Hunt. But, yeah, Sharkies are in a good stead, especially when you, you've just re-signed Hamlin Nuele and you've got Adam Fanua Blake coming next year. I They've got too many forwards. They have to lose some, to be honest. I know Dale Finucane's probably not too far off retirement, but, geez, it's still ridiculous. Um, you can essentially copy and paste what I said about Max King and Cam McInnes last week, you know, here again. You know, it was incredible work rate again from Max King. And in the terms of McInnes, it was just really good runs, poking his nose in behind the ruck, just sort of ignore his passing from dummy half in that final quarter when he got his shot there. Because, yeah, he's obviously a bit rusty in that hooker position, Cam McInnes. But, yeah, ignore that. And he had a really, really good game. Josh Curran, Bulldogs, he showcased why the battle for the lock position is still up in the air with a great opening stint. He ran the ball really well, and he showed it off his passing game, which, you know, he's always sort of had, but he hasn't had the opportunity to show it. Being a second rower for the for the Warriors, he's just run hard lines. But here he is throwing a, a nice little soft pass and a great little ball to Jacob Preston for the Bulldogs' only try of the game. So he's definitely made it a bit, you know, put a few more questions in the air whether or not he gets that lock position. I did read also that... He was either injured or struggling with a bit of sickness coming into this game. So that's why he hasn't played as many minutes through the trials as well. So I'd assume he still does lock up that lock position. But we'll have to see. Teamless Tuesday for for round one is not too far away. So exciting stuff there. Unfortunately, Blake Taff had a, he had a pretty darn poor game in this one. 
he really he couldn't catch a cold in that second half, let's be honest. But I still think he's got that fullback spot for round one, and I think that's a really good thing for him. I think it'll give him a lot of confidence and coming into the season, and I'll, I think it'll let him shrug you know, this performance off. If he doesn't perform well in the opening month, there are plenty of options that you can use to replace him. But I think the Bulldogs will show their faith in him and give him a crack, or at least give him first crack, You know, especially since he had such a good game in their first preseason game. It was just a bit of a shame to see him perform a bit under what we know we can what we know he can perform in this one. Um, and the last sort of note that I, I sort of penciled down over here was about Toby Sexton. I, I thought it was really odd that Toby Sexton didn't get a run until the final 17 minutes. I think he was arguably their best player last week and... You know, he was really good for the Bulldogs when he came across to them last year from the Titans. So to not even give him half a game to prove why he should be their first choice halfback is pretty, I think it's pretty rugged in my eyes. I have to feel a bit sorry for the bloke. He, he's done so well to sort of get them out of the mud. And then they signed Drew Hutchison, who, yeah, he's been good in trials. And we know Drew Hutchison's an experienced head. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like Toby should have been given that shot after his performances last year. And of course... In, in the first week of the trial. So we'll have to see how it plays out. But, yeah, feel sorry for Toby Sexton. But that's sort of all I had had noted down for, for this game. wasn't my favourite game of the round. It was still pretty good. Like, I, I mean, I'm going to watch every game of footy and think it's pretty darn good. I, I just love it so much. But there was a few things I just wanted to see a little bit more of that maybe didn't. Sam Hughes didn't play much in this game. Also, I think, struggling with either a sickness or injury. I can't remember which one of those two out of Curran and Hughes was struggling with what, but nah, it, was, it was still a good game to watch and you saw enough to be excited about both of these teams leading into round one. Alas, we will move on to the Storm versus the Knights. First of all, that ball that Jerome Hughes threw to Ellie Eli Katoa was mesmerizing. I genuinely didn't even see it get thrown. It took a while for the Storm to sort of ease into the game, but when they did, they they came up with that play and it was superb. It was probably one of the best ways you can get your team onto the board. So love that from Jerome Hughes and great line run from Ellie Katoa. And how about the celebration? Love seeing him over in Fiji cracking over the coconuts, I believe it was. So that was, that was pretty cool as well. But after about that, first drinks break at that 20 minute mark the storm made a, a lot of chase changes changes chases mm, i'm struggling but yeah they made a host of changes and somehow their shape looked even better after they did like the try that they got to xavier coates was really good lead up work really good shape and then there was some really really sexy offloading thrown in there too so that was a really cool try to watch but I do think that when the, the Knights got field position, I thought they were pretty darn good as well. I thought Melbourne's defence was strong to hold them out for most part. But when they did get their opening try, it was off the back of some silky passing and link-up play from the halves of Hastings and Gamble. And I thought it was pretty darn good to see them stamp their authority in a way on their positions in the midst of the hype on Cogger and Price. They didn't have the best games, but they didn't have the worst games Um Hastings and Gamble, that is, you know, a few errors here and there. But just in that play alone, you could see why these guys got them on that run last year. So it was cool to see them sort of stamp their authority on this one. Uh, I thought Jonah Pezzett, he scored a really great individual try in that first half. There's still a lot of development to go in his game, but he's a very exciting player. He was always pretty highly touted coming through the grades. He'd done a, a lot of good things through there. Oh, excuse me. Um, but, you know, he's still only 20 years old, so... Another year of development, biding his time behind 
Hughes and Munster, I think he can only grow, you know, and most of the season in Queensland Cup, I believe they are, and, you know, just filling in to NRL, getting more of a taste of it. I think he's got a really exciting future ahead of him, Pezzett, so good game from him in this one. Kalen Ponga looked threatening the entire first half, which, you know, you expect from KP. And, you know, right before halftime, he broke the game open with that line break and had some really soft hands to send Bradman Best away to score that try. He just looks so fit. He looks the perfect combination of size and speed. We thought last year he was maybe a bit bulky off off the back of his preseason as a 5'8", trying to bulk up to defend in the line. But now he just looks the perfect body shape. I think we're in for another bloody exciting year from KP in 2024. Let's see if he can go back-to-back M. Not that he deserved it over Sean Johnson in 2023. Anyway, alas, uh, moving on, we did get our first taste of Kai Pierce Paul in this one, and he didn't really disappoint in, in my eyes. I know a lot of people were sort of going to be saying, you know, he, he didn't get many opportunities. He didn't, you know, set the world alight. But, you know, that comes. You have to be put in good space. And a lot of the time he was just getting sort of sent into the line on, on short balls or really just not having much space to work with. But I thought every touch he he had, he created or he almost created something, let's say. He's just such a gifted athlete. The way he moves for a man of his size is unbelievable. The combination of size, speed, balance, and skill only comes around once in a blue moon, and he's got it all. He truly does. We're blessed to get a player like him in our competition this year, and I think the Knights are blessed to have him on their books. So I'm really excited to see how he goes this season, Kai Pierce-Paul. Really, really excited. Um, just back to Jerome Hughes. I obviously set up that first try, which I said was a mesmerizing ball, but God, he was just toying with the Knights defense all game in this one. He could genuinely do no wrong. He conjured multiple line breaks through his beautiful passing and running game. He's, he's also commented on a bit in the off season about working to improve his consistency in first grade over this preseason. And, you know, I think, Munster as well came out and said that he was working on being better than he was. And, you know, that's one of the top players in our competition. And if these Storm halves are really working on their game and trying to be better than what we know they are, then I think they're in for a big year and maybe it bodes well for the Storm. Maybe they can go one better again this year. So, yeah, but I um, yeah, really liked Jerome Hughes' performance in this one. There's, he may very well have been my player of the game. So shout out him. And so the last one that sort of caught my eye again was Will Price. I think he he just impresses me every time he's on the field. He's just another natural footy player. I think Tyson Gamble should get first crack at the sixth jersey, you know, just on the back of what he achieved with the team last year. But you've got to be scared of giving Will Price a shot at any stage this year, whether it's through injury or form slump. I think he's absolutely the sort of player you can win a premiership within the halves. He's just a natural footy player. So... Really like what I'm seeing from both the English English boys in the Knights squad. So it's just another exciting year for the Knights. Another exciting year of footy. I think most teams have gotten better. And, you know, your top teams maybe have gotten a little bit worse. But that, you know, narrows the gap. So we're in for a bloody good year. But I did really enjoy this game between the, the Knights and the um, the Storm. A lot, a lot of good things on show here. But alas, time is of the essence, so we'll move on to the Warriors versus Dolphins game. And the sort of f- the first note that I penciled down here was just the Warriors' defense. I mentioned it last week, and we all know how they were last year. 
But it was astonishing again in that first half. I think they ranked third in defense for, for 2023. At least I believe that's what the commentators said in, in my viewing of this one. And, you know, now with RTS shoring up that left side, they look almost unbreakable. It's ridiculous. The Dolphins really had no answers to them for in, in attack. You know, they scored their only try in that first half of a nice little grubber kick in behind from Nicarima, who found a flying Jake Avarillo. But it's always sort of been the, the adage in rugby league that you can sort of live with tries off kicks, you know, obviously, and not, not if you're conceding a, a fair few of them a game. But a try off a kick means they can't break you down with their defense, with their offensive structures. So you take that every day of the week. But honestly, that entire Warriors left edge, just they looked incredible on both sides of the ball. We know the Warriors favoured their right edge of Johnson and DWZ, you know, a lot last season. But Metcalf had his hands on the ball a lot in this game and he looked really, really good in everything he did. I thought Jackson Ford was really strong as well. He got through a lot of work and he ran some really good lines. And, you know, RTS was RTS. He may have even had a better game in this one than he did last week. He's he's a freak, one of the best we've ever seen. And, you know, Marcelo, Marcelo Montoya, the captain of last week on the wing, he looked really good. He always does. I love the work Marcelo does, and he scored their nice opening try to boot. So really good stuff seeing that from the Warriors' left edge because that was their weaker side of 2023. So if they've shored that up, then we're in for an exciting year, Warriors fans. Love to see it. It was pretty clear that Sean Johnson took a bit of a back seat in this one. He sort of mainly just kicked and was leading the team around the park, especially in that first half. But, you know, in saying that, his kicking game was on song and the kick chases from the team were amazing. It's so good to see those effort areas shining through in the team. I think that's something that Kurt Capewell especially is going to bring. And I thought he also really looked good in this one. So, God, it's just I need to limit my excitement for the Warriors. Obviously, as we know, I am a supporter of them. But big year for them. Could could be the year to do it. Who knows? Let, let, let's go out and see. But no, back to Sean Johnson. He just... He just sees the game so well now at his age. The ball he threw to Rocco Berry, I believe it was, for a try, was it was world-class. And he, he does it week in, week out. He's so good at it. you know. And, and how about him winding back the clock and putting the foot down on that line break off the offload of RTS? Love to see it. Didn't get too far, obviously. You know, there was a fullback, et cetera. But love to see him trusting in his body to just put the hammer down and, and race away as far as he could. So I hope he decides to run around again in 2025 because he's in the best form of his life. But if this is the last we see of Sean Johnson, then let's just enjoy it while it lasts. He is he's my all-time favourite player and I want to see him win. I want him, he should be a part of the Warriors' first ever premiership. So let's go get it done this year. Um, moving a sort of bit away from the Warriors, I'll, I'll try and halt my, um, my love for them. But it was really interesting to see Tom Flegler and Jesse Bromwich play the entire opening half. Obviously, I wouldn't expect them to do that come season time, but the fact that they did get through 40 minutes and didn't even look out of breath was really impressive. It could potentially bode well for Flegler, especially if he is to play increased minutes this year and he's enforced a role for the club. So, you know, there was another one that I sort of said super coach wise to keep an eye out on was how Flegler looked in this game. And... Again, freeing the offload a little bit and playing really good minutes could mean some good things for Flagler. So, super coaches, he's an option. He certainly is. We always thought he would be, and he's sort of proving that that, that now. 
Um, Jack Bostock, I thought he had a much improved game in this one. Obviously, I was a, a bit harsh on him last week. I was only harsh on him from a place of love, though. I I really liked Jack Bostock as a player, and I just thought last week wasn't his best performance, but he was really, really good in this one. He looked pretty nimble, and he showed really good balance on multiple attacking raids down their wing, and he got through a lot of work, which is what you want to see from a player of his size. Of course, he scored that fantastic trial for kick, which is probably going to be a staple for the for the Dolphins this year. I think at his height, it's just such a plus for his game. He's going to be a real target in the air for the Finns. So, yeah, I thought Jack Bostock came out and shut me up a little bit, if you will. So good stuff from him. Uh, last week, I, I sort of spoke a little bit, spoke briefly about Marata Kore and how I really liked him off the bench for the Warriors this year. And this game, it, it showed why. He was instrumental in pushing out their lead in that second half. He had an incredible line break where he ran a good 30, 40 metres. And, oh, sorry. And, uh, you know, then he also had that, that powerful run close to the line that got him a try. So it was really good stuff seeing that from Marata. I think Ford is more suited to that left edge role. You know, you can talk about who you think's a better player, but sometimes better players are better suited to different roles. And I think Murata, with the impact he brings, I think a bench spot for him is going to be really, really good. So I'm excited to see how he, he goes for the team this year. Uh, the Dolphins, I thought the lead-up work that they did in that Herbie Farnworth try was really nice to watch. Their shape was near perfect. They were very deep. The, everyone ran their lines and hit their timings to perfection, and it just stretched an incredible Warriors defense very, very thin. So it was good to see um, Herbie getting in there, and it's also really good to see that he's now come out and scored a try in both of the trial matches. So I think he's in for a big year. He's, he's going to be the face of this Dolphins team, in my opinion. Like, just for years to come, I think Herbie will be the face of the team. And it's not a, it's not a bad face to have, just quietly. Very, very good-looking man is Herbie Farnworth. Sorry, I had a bit of a break and play there. Um, been having a bit of sneezing fit all bloody podcast, so apologies for that. But no, moving on. Uh, the last sort of name that sort of caught my eye, Ali Leotawa. I thought he was phenomenal again. I've, you know, sung his praises a lot in the, in the last week's podcast. And I don't really need to say him again, but if he doesn't lock up a, a starting centre position by sort of mid to late year this year, then I think it has to be next season. He's an absolute superstar in the making. But once again, really enjoyed this game. It was good to see a lot of the the stars of these sides get their runs. And we've got to see a lot of shape and structures that we want to be seeing leading into round one. It was, you know, a good combination, a good mixture of the young fellas and the experienced heads going through their motions. So really exciting stuff from, from both these teams. And I'm so keen to see how they head into 2024. Up the Waz. <laughs> Moving on, we've got the uh, the Seagulls Broncos. So another game that was both these teams had their main squads over in Vegas, or at least you know you know at the airport ready to head to Vegas. So lots of younger fel- fellas once again, and sort of experienced heads from Queensland Cup, New South Wales Cup. But the first person to you know really sort of catch my eye was one that I told everyone to look out for in one of my Instagram posts, and that was Jamie Humphreys. I thought it was really good to see him stamp his authority early on this game. He's one I'm really excited about for the Seagulls this year. The ball he threw to Brad Parker for the opening try was just, it was so silky. 
And then, you know, he backed it up with an even more impressive playmaking display by digging into the line, using some late footwork to create space and finding Cameron Brown with a perfect little short ball to put him into the backfield, which ultimately led to their second try. So he's got so much ability, does Jamie Humphreys. And I sort of hope the Seagulls don't try and shoehorn him into that hook a mould and just sort of let him come on and play footy and be that utility player because he really is just a natural footy player. He's got so much ability. I could see him at fullback in the halves, you know, and coming on at hooker to, to relieve Lachlan Croker. I could even see him in the middle just as a sort of link man if his defence holds up to it. So if he does make his way into their side this year in that sort of 14 role, which I'd assume he will at multiple stages and hopefully he locks that down, yeah, he's one I'm really excited for. I uh, thought the Seagulls handled big Ben Takura pretty darn well in this game. You know, when a player is as big as Benjamin, Benjamin, Benjamin Takura is, you just have to get up on them early and just tackle low and really hard and just try and cut him down with a teammate up top just to wrap up the ball, wrap up the offload and just help bring him to ground. And I thought Manly did a pretty admirable job of doing that in this game. Uh, in saying that, though, there's sort of only so much you can do to a player of Ben Takura's size and skill. He still managed to make a ton of metres and free the arm a few times. He just bustled up through the middle and it took four people to bring him down. It's crazy to think that someone of his size is only 18 years old. He's got an insane future ahead of him if he can stay fit. Another one that caught my eye for the Seagulls was Clayton Forlalo. He looks the goods. He scored something like 29 tries in 24 games in New South Wales Cup last year. And across the two preseason games, it's pretty clear as to why. He's just got such a well-rounded game. He's almost the prototype center in the modern game. He's fast. He's strong. He's got great hands. He's just, he's got everything. I've been really impressed with him so far, you know, across the two preseason challenge games. And with performances like this, I think you'll put a lot of pressure on the Seagulls to move Garrick back onto the wing and just to accommodate him into the centers because he's got so much ability. But yeah, I've been really impressed with Clayton Fulalo. Hope to see him in, in first grade this year. Uh, for the Broncos, I mean, you know, they absolutely blew the Seagulls away in that second half. They were just dazzling to watch from an attacking standpoint. And I thought it was sort of really led from the way their halves of Rogers and Fours just led them around the park. I thought they were really, really great. And it shows the difference experience makes in the halves in rugby league. They're in complete control out there. And they're both, they're really handy options to have in the depth department, these two. Kurt Fours especially, I thought, might have been best on field, just... He was in absolutely everything. I'm really happy to see him come down from the Panthers and and grasp his his shot here because I thought he'd sort of be sort of one that just sailed into the sunset after getting a few games in the NRL. But yeah, I thought he was really good in this one. And just sort of on that Broncos depth, uh, it's seriously underrated. When you have NRL quality players in Deloise Huerta, Jordan Pereira. Ethan Kwai Ward in the backs, and then you've got experienced backup halves options of Josh Rogers, Kurt Fors, and, you know, even Jock Madden, who didn't play in this one. And then you've got a good mixture of exciting young forwards and Xavier Willison and Ben Takura waiting in the wings. Like, it's almost unfair. And don't even get me started on their bloody hooking depth. Having four first-grade capable hookers is nuts. Um, but no, just sort of the way that they've structured their squad from top to bottom, it's world-class and it's really a testament to how well the Broncos have run as a club. So really good stuff from them. But I did enjoy this game once again. Really good seeing sort of those 
younger heads or less experienced heads, if you will, go out and, and tear the game apart. So I really enjoyed this one. Uh, but to not spend too much time on it, we'll move on to the Dragons and the Tigers. Uh, just from the outset of this game, Jacob Little, he looked incredible. We mentioned him briefly on the podcast last week saying he would do a lot of really good things, you know, on the back of this Dragons pack if they do end up firing, which he did so very well in this game. He had great runs from dummy half whenever he saw even a glimpse of space. He just took it. He just started towards it. So I really love to see that from him. His deception for that Moses Sully try was really impressive as well. I've always rated Little as a footballer when he was coming to the Tigers and obviously injury sort of held him back a fair bit there. But, you know, maybe I maybe I have a little bit more of a soft spot for him now after bringing him into my super coach side last year and he, he served me pretty darn well there. But, you know, with, with performances like this, he may very well feature again at my side this year, you know. Never say never. So love, love to see Jacob Little playing really good and healthy footy. He's, he's a gun player, Jacob Little. Uh, another player I gave a massive rap last week was Jaden Sewer, and he once again backed up my praise with another outstanding performance in this one. I won't repeat myself again. You know, all the praise I gave last week, they're all still very much valid, but he is in for an absolutely massive season for the Dragons, so very, very excited on Jaden Sewer. Uh, Kyle Flanagan, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from him, to be honest. You know, he's had two preseason trial games now after being trained in the what I believe was meant to be hooker for majority of the preseason. And now he's had limited time to come out and be the five eighth. I mean, I think at this point, both are just halfbacks and they just switch their roles accordingly during the game. But from what I've seen of Kyle Flanagan, he's not been afraid to, to run the ball or lead the team around the park, which is exciting. And it frees up Ben Hunt to do what he wants to do. But Sorry, just had a bloody motorbike drive past and just have to rev it right when I'm recording. So that was really kind of them. I'll have to have a word to them later. But no, I've been pretty darn impressed with with Kyle Flanagan. The thing I was sort of most impressed by was his effort to chase after Tyrell Sloan after he made the break. And he was just there straight away to keep the set and momentum rolling as soon as Tyrell got up and played that ball. And, you know, the rest of the Dragon team was sort of labouring a bit behind. I mean, you see Tyrell Sloan in open space, you probably think, shut the gates, it's 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 all it's all done and dusted. But Kyle put the foot down, he, he chased after Tyrell, and when Tyrell did get run down, he was there and he was ready to keep the momentum going. So I was really keen on seeing that. Um, he also came up with that pinpoint kick to Ben Hunt for a try as well. So Kyle Flanagan, he's, he's showing some really good things. And I've always liked Kyle. I had a bit of a soft spot for him. So I hope he goes really well this the, this year for the Dragons. Uh, Moses Sully. Oh, Jesus Christ, he looks fit. He was absolutely unstoppable all game. Like just, I don't know what you meant to do against him when he's in this sort of mood. It's exactly the sort of form that he was touted for from an incredibly early age. We almost forget that he was signed to the Tigers on a record deal, having never played first grade. And, you know, he came in and got man of the match in their first game and made an, you know, injured Greg Inglis look awful. But, you know, this is this is exactly what we've come to, you know, expect. Maybe not expect, but always hope for from Moses Suley. It seems as if he's finally put the off-field off stuff behind him and he's just completely focused on being the best footy player he can be. And that's a terrifying realisation for every opposing centre this year. Yeah, absolutely incredible performance from Moses Sully in this one. Exciting stuff for him coming into 2024. 
you can just sort of tell that the Shane Flanagan effect is just well and truly in motion at the Dragons. Everyone looks as fit as I have ever seen them, and they're playing with so much energy. I could not be more impressed with this team so far in 2024. They've been nothing short of extraordinary. I love love what I'm seeing from the Dragons, and you know, lucky I didn't go on record and say that I was tipping them for the spoon, but there's no chance I think they get the spoon anymore. I think if they can keep this energy up, they, they're going to go well, well for what we expect of the Dragons this year. So exciting stuff for them. Um, but honestly, look, I could have given every player in this Dragons team a mention. I thought they were all really, really good out there. I don't want to be here all day, but I will say that Jack Bird looked really great once again. I thought he was really hard to handle all night, and he had a beautiful little kick in in behind for a try assist to Lomax. So showing his 5'8 skills once again there, that was really good to see. Ben Hunt played really well, scored two tries from eyes up play. And, you know, Tyrell Sloan, I thought he had a much improved performance in this game. This is the sort of footy I really want to see from him week in, week out. He had the early break. He chimed in well in attack. He scored a very nice try, but most importantly, he finished the game with zero errors. He still has a lot to work on in defense. I think he he missed more tackles than he made in this one. But when you're performing as well as he did in the other facets of his game, then you can live with that a bit as a coach. I thought he was really good out there tonight. So shout out to you, Tyrell Sloan. As for the Tigers, I thought Aiden Caesar, I thought he looked really good again for them. He had a great kicking display once again and really controlled them around the park and what little possession they had in that first half. We didn't get to see an astronomical amount from him, but from everything that we have seen, I think he's going to be a really, really good signing for the Tigers this year. His halves partner, uh, Jaden Sullivan, thought last week he was... I wasn't really convinced on him, but this week I think he looked a lot better. He was trying to take on the line a bit more yet. He had a couple, you know, sort of lapses in concentration, if you will, but I just liked what I saw from him. He, he sort of passed the eye test for me in this one, Jaden Sullivan. So if they can kick on, they could be a, a really good little halves pairing and kick the Titans, the Titans, the Tigers off the bottom of the table, which is what we all want to see. We don't want to see another three-peat of wooden spoons. Um, another one is Jareen Buller. He just he dazzled us once again just before that halftime siren. He's got that brilliant solo try, just showcasing all of his talents, the speed, the step, balance. He, he has it all, Jareen Buller. What an exciting player. And also you have to shout out his chase from Tyrell Sloan in that first half. It's not an easy feat matching it with Tyrell for pace and then making a one-on-one tackle, but such is the brilliance of Jareen Buller. He just makes it look easy. So really exciting player for the Tigers. I think he only gets better in his second season for the club. And one more, is I sort of knew... Lockie Galvin was a big guy. He's always looked bigger and stronger than everyone in in the younger grades, but you don't realize how big he actually is until you see him in first grade. He looked every bit of first grader from a physical standpoint, and he had some really nice touches as well in this one. We know Benji absolutely loves him, so I'm excited to see when when he does get his shot in first grade this year. But no, this was probably my favourite. At least it was one of my favourite games of the round. It was a very physical and entertaining game. It was great attack and exciting moments in all shapes and sizes. And there were some incredible hits in defence as well, which I sort of glossed over a bit. But um, Justin Olam and uh, Junior Tupo in particular, they pulled off some monster shots that you, you just have to go back and watch those ones. They're some of the best shots you'll see. But no, it was a really high-quality footy game all round in this one, so really enjoyed that. But we'll move on to the Raiders and the Cowboys. 
First man that caught my eye was Big Papa. He showed he still had some gas left in the tank in this game. He looked really good through the middle for the Raiders, combining some hard running with some really silky footwork for a big man. Love to see it from Papali'i. I believe they said that he, I think Jamal Fogarty said in the halftime interview or maybe quarter time interview that he'd shed eight kilos in, in this off season. And it looks it. he was moving very well out there. And I think maybe it's something that he needed to do if he wants to go around again in 2025. So love to see that from Papali'i. He had a really good game. Uh, Ethan Strange, he did everything he could to pencil his name into the team sheet for the vacant 5-8 role for the Raiders with his performance in this one before doing everything he could to rub his name off that team sheet with a, a very bad tackle. It just, it'll probably see him spend a, a couple of weeks on the sideline maybe, but, you know, it, it was ugly. Let, let's, let's, let's be real. It was just a tackle that went wrong. There was definitely no malice in it, but, you know, hopefully his lack of ju- judiciary record sees him you know, helps him out a little bit and sees him maybe only cop a fine for that one. You know, fingers crossed for that because I thought he he finally sort of stamped his authority and got that six position wrapped up. But moving away from that, like just defensively, he proved himself more than sound. He was constantly chopping down Helam Lukey in one-on-one efforts, which is no easy feat. I was super impressed with him in that area, which was one of the big question marks surrounding him this season due to his age and his size. So it was super promising to see how he went in that aspect. He also showed a strong little kicking game and scored that opening try completely solo. So that was really cool stuff to see. It's going to be interesting to see how the charge plays out, but I'm super excited for him regardless this year. Good stuff to see from Ethan Strange. Uh, Zach Hosking's first moments in this game were some of my favorite in the, in the whole game. As soon as he came on, he just started chopping blokes and there is nothing quite like seeing a bloke chop someone in half with some legs tackles. He just went one after the other, after the other, just bang, 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 solo, one-on-one. It was beautiful to watch. I had a smile ear to ear. It was so, so good. He brought back the old adage of you can't run without legs and I love to see it. I think he's one of the best signings this entire off season for any club. He just feels like a Raider. He's going to be the perfect replacement to Elliot Whitehead when he calls time at the end of this season. So love to see that from Zach Hosking. Uh, Scott Drinkwater for the Cowboys. thought he was excellent in this game as he looks to continue his incredible 2023 form into the season. He's one of, if not the best, ball-playing fullback in the entire NRL. Some of the passes he threw for try assists in this game were simply astonishing. Like some of the best halves in the NRL couldn't pull off the passes he was throwing. Fantastic showing from him. Love to see it. Um, perhaps the only threat to my man Sam McIntyre's bench position I so swiftly locked him in for is Thomas McKayley, who was incredible in this game once again. For a player who has never scored a try at NRL level, to score a double in the front row of a trial game is great and also sort of sad to see in a way he brought a bit of everything in his time out there on the field though so it was, he brought you know sort of really powerful runs he had nice soft hands a good little offload and obviously his apparent apparent try scoring prowess so on the back of um cohen hess's knee injury that he unfortunately picked up in this one which looks to potentially sideline him pretty long term i'd assume mckaylee will find himself a spot on this cowboys bench which, which is great for him, but it's really devastating news for Cohen Hess. I thought he was sort of warming into that front rower and just can play anywhere in, in, in the field. Cohen Hess, I thought he was really progressing at the Cowboys, so it's devastating to see that. And my thoughts are with him. 
and fingers crossed that the diagnosis comes back pretty good and it's just not as bad as we seems. Uh, I thought um, after putting his first ball down in this game, I was very quick to to assume Kyle Felt may have lost his spot once again to Semi Valame come season start, but he more than made up for his error in this one, Kyle Felt. He's still one of the premier try-scoring try scoring wingers in our competition. Well, just try-scorers in our competition, to be honest. There's not many players I'd want over him on the end of a backline move. He just makes try-scoring look so effortless. He can do it in so many different ways. So it was a great response from him in this game, obviously scoring that hat-trick, and I'd assume that right-wing spot is potentially his again to start the season. But I'm interested to see what they do with Semi Valame. I thought he was one of their best players at the end of last year. And, you know, with Murray Tolani wanting to move into the centres, maybe you can find a way to to do that. I don't know who misses out, probably the young Labour, but I don't know. I think with Felt and Valame's performances, you've got to find a way to have them both in the side. But yeah, really good game from Kyle Felt. Uh, I was really hoping to see more out of Jason Tamalolo in this one. I know it's still only pre-season, but his runs didn't have anywhere near the ferocity we've come to expect from him. I was I'm well I still am expecting a big season from him. I think it could be a really career defining season for his future and his legacy in general, but this showing didn't fill me with the most confidence. So hopefully he picks it up come season start because I'm I'm such a big Jason Tamalolo fan, one of his biggest defenders and I, I love the move for him in the front row, but if it doesn't work this year, maybe they should look to perhaps move him on. Uh, in terms of our weekly Mitch Henderson watch, I thought he looked really good again in limited game time. I would have liked to have seen him get more of a run, especially considering Stranger's sin bin and Fogarty, you know, sitting out a bit injured at the moment. So getting more runs into the legs of another halfback would have been really good. Uh, but, you know, what can you do? You can only work with what you got. I'm just taking a look at some of his stats for the game here now. He had one run for 11 metres. So, you know, averaging 10 plus metres a run. Amazing stuff. Seven tackles, zero misses, so 100% tackle efficiency, perfect. One goal from one attempt, so obviously it's a guaranteed tw- plus two points every try. And he had an, he had an average play-the-ball speed of 1.84 seconds. That's ridiculous. Find me another player who's playing the ball as quick as that. So, yeah, based on those stats, we've got the next Andrew Johns in our hands, and I have been led to believe that stats do, in fact, tell the full story of a performance. So, yeah, Mitch Henderson is the GOAT. Lock him in. But no, I did really enjoy this game once once again. Despite not getting the victory, I've been really impressed by the Raiders this preseason. And on the flip side, despite their first week loss, I thought the Cowboys have looked really good in the preseason as well. So I'm really excited for the season to start because we're in for such an incredible year of footy. These teams, every every team is just, they're playing so well. I'm so keen for footy, man. At last, we move on to the final game of the preseason challenge, which, of course, was the Titans and the Eels. So first of all, the the Eels, they came out and they looked like they were bloody playing in a grand final in this one. Someone forgot to tell Brad Arthur it's only preseason. They're another team I'm, I'm pretty darn keen on coming into the season. And when they're playing like this, it just gets me even more excited. They had no fear of playing across the ground, giving absolutely everyone a run and a touch. And it was very pretty to watch. I thought Clint Gutherson looked really good early in this one. I just love how he attacks the footy every chance he gets with absolutely no regard for his health and safety. He's one of the most underrated players in the competition is Clint Gutherson. 
Uh, I thought the Titan shape leading into their opening try was really promising and it's boding well that the Des Hasler effect is already coming into into play at the Titans. They had really good depth to their move and a lot of just moving parts, which led to the space opening up for Tanner Boyd to loft it over the top to fill Sammy. So it was really, really great early signs for their attack coming into the 2024 season. Uh, back over to the Eels. Their one-two punch that is the front row pairing is so damaging. They can beat you in just so many different ways. Seeing Polo act as an extra half attacking the line and hitting a rampaging Regan Campbell-Gillard is a skill not many front rowers in our competition have. In fact, he could very well be the only one who can do what he does. He's so good. But what impressed me even more about this play was how Polo actually took the hit up just before it. So he backed up his previous effort by chiming in again and delivering the soft hands for a try. Great stuff to watch from them. Uh, I was really impressed with the the work the Parramatta wingers got through in this game, particularly from Sean Russell. It's definitely an area they can improve in that can not only like take their individual games to the next level, but really help their team as well by taking a bit of workload off their big forward pack. So it was good to see them get through that much work. Uh, I really liked the the look of AJ Brimson at centre. God, he's he's so electric. He's going to be a real point of difference in that Titans attack this season. The Eels struggled to find answers to shut him down all day, and I suspect they won't be the only club to struggle with that this season. He's he's a gun, AJ Primson. Love seeing him open out and that bloody acceleration he has to when he picked up that loose ball and ran 90 meters. It was good night. He's he's so good. Love to see him. Sorry, once again went into a bit of a sneezing fit, but we're back again. Uh, next point I had on my list is the Eels' right edge in general. I thought they all had superb games. Uh, Penasini, he, he terrorized defenders every run he made. It was one of the best games I've seen him have in his young career. I thought Bryce Cartwright, I think he continually found ways to offload and create second-phase play. And honestly, his defense, his hits and defense were really bloody good in this game as well. So thought he was really good. You know, Mitch Moses, he had complete control and he had the ball on a string. Like, he came up with that beautiful cack, cack, beautiful kick back inside off a, off a short side raid that led to a four-point at the car, right? So it's good to see him taking control of this this Eels side. And it was really great to see Bo Fulmore back playing after missing all of last year with an ACL injury. He looked right at home on that left edge in this game. He came up with a f- few good defensive plays and threw a terrific ball to Lofi Khan Pereira for a nice little try assist as well. It will be pretty interesting to see if he does keep that spot on the left edge following David Fafita's incredible year there. But, you know, keep in mind that when Fermo was at his best in 2022 and knocking on the door of origin, he had that left second row spot completely locked up. So it's a very keen watch to see where those two play this year, but I'm sure they'll kill it no matter what side they're on. So good to see him back. And lastly, Jaman Hopgood. We know he's an absolute workhorse, but just how much work he gets through isn't given enough credit in my in my opinion. Considering this was only a trial game, for him to chalk up 21 runs for 226 metres, 31 tackles with only one miss, three offloads and a try is simply ridiculous. He never even looks like slowing up either. He always seems to be lurking and looking for more work to do. He's What a weapon. Love that from Jermaine Hopgood. But that sort of concludes us for for all of these games and therefore the entire preseason challenge. 
as I said at the beginning of the podcast, the Broncos were indeed the winners of the uh, preseason challenge, chalking up the most points in all sort of categories across the competition. So they get, a, I think it's a $100,000 bonus to their squad, but I think every team sort of got a lot of good stuff out of this preseason and it was really good to watch from a from a viewing perspective and it's just got me so much more excited for, for footy season to start. Of course, it's the Monday. I'd assume tomorrow on the Tuesday we'll get the, the Vegas team list. So, you know, we're not far off now. It's 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 exciting. I'm I'm so pumped. But yeah, that will that will wrap us up for today. Almost went for an hour, but that's what you do. That's what you do for footy. So thank you guys for tuning in. Once again, I will plug the Instagram. If you're not following me on there, please go give it a look at Chip and Chase Podcast. It's just a lot more content and a lot more ways for you to interact with me. And, you know, just, you know, with these podcasts being a little bit more infrequent, that's just, there's a lot more stuff in there. And especially Supercoach stuff, we will do be, we'll be, we will be doing some more Supercoach podcasts in the very near future. But at the moment, that's sort of where my Supercoach stuff is at. It's all on that Instagram. So go check that out. But thank you guys once again for tuning in for a long one here. If you got to the end, I really respect you. But yeah, I will catch you guys in the next podcast.